Authority in God doesn't have anything to do with experience. It doesn't have anything to do with how much we know up here. It has to do with understanding our identity. And our identity is purely understood by revelation. Because if you think about, um, we've been talking about power, but you will receive power, which is the Greek word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite from. So you'll receive dynamite. There'll be an inner explosion when you receive the Holy Spirit, when he comes on you. And out of that will be witnesses to God in power, in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And um, if you look at the root word of dunamis, it's, it's, it's literally a force, a tangible force. Miraculous power is where we get the, the extension of that word. And um, we've been looking at that sense of being a church that has power. But power and authority are actually different things. Jesus said, I have given you authority. It's a different word. It's the Greek word exousia, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And it's a different word because I can have an experience of power but still not appreciate what authority that I have. And the more authority I understand that I have, the more the power will be exacted or exercised. The two go together. Lots of people experience God. They have an encounter with God, but they don't step into their identity, which is the authority that God has given them because of who Christ is. That Greek word exousia means delegated influence, or it's more a legal term of the jurisdiction or the permission that God gives us to act on his behalf. In his name, we've been given authority. I've been gi- I give you exousia, permission. I don't have to keep going back to God and say, do I have permission? Because he said, you've got it. Now exercise the permission that I've given you. I love that passage of scripture, Luke ten nineteen. If you want to do something really good this week, print that out, put it on your dashboard behind your toilet door somewhere and learn this voice. It's such a powerful verse. I have given you authority. To trample, love that word, means to tread, it means to crush, it means to put under your feet snakes and scorpions, which are always derivatives of Satan and demons. So I believe that part of my mandate that God has given me is I'm a demon stalker. I'm a Holy Spirit filled walker, demon stalker. It's part of my mandate. It is. It's part of my mandate, part of the authority that God has given every one of us is to crush the enemy. Whether that starts in our mind or our hearts or someone else's life or our community, we've been given authority to trample and to tread. And so we need to be aggressive. Not in a forceful sense of being violent and bashing people up and saying, I'm going to get that demon out of you. That's not what it means. It's a spiritual authority to act in authority on behalf of Jesus. And because we can do that, it doesn't matter whether I've got a Bible college degree or whether I've been a Christian for six months or 60 years. If I get a sense of my identity of who I am in Christ, then I can act in that authority. And you don't need to be fearful because it's not your authority that you're acting in. If you act in your own authority, you'll know that it'll go wrong. But if you act on behalf of Jesus and you invite Jesus into the battle or into the fight or into the situation, you're only 
exercising authority that's been given to you. And we all know how that works in the natural realm. You work for a round, um, ground, the, the boss gives you permission to do something and he says, okay, Joel, you need to go and fix up that, you know, that machine at, at Bendigo. You need to do this and this. You don't need to ring him every five minutes and say, is it all right if I put oil in it? Is it all right if I tighten the screws? He's given you permission to go and fix it, to get the job done. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples. I've given you the authority. I've given you the permission. Go and do it. Trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Notice three little letters in there. All. How much power has God given us to overcome the enemy? Part thereof? All. It's a pretty powerful statement. It's a really powerful statement. Nothing will harm you. And the idea of exousia is that you're, a, you're acting like a magistrate. You're executing legal judgments and legal principles and legal terms. And, and this is a spiritual battle that we're talking about. So Jesus was given all authority in heaven and earth, and he gave that to us to exercise on the earth. Okay, We can get caught up in that and get very big about ourselves, but really if we understand the principle, we're nothing, God is everything, we're just using his name and his power to flow through us into a situation and have God have the victory. It's pretty simple stuff, but it's, it's probably something in the Western mindset that we really struggle with because Aussies don't like authority. In fact, we do everything we can to tear authority down. We disrespect it. We disrespect it. I know what it's like to be on the end of disrespect just being a pastor, you know, not in the sense of being here in church, but outside in the world. People hate Christian authority because we represent Jesus. <laughs> and so it's the same principle in life. So today I want to I talk about this idea that, that power is great and we need power, but power actually stems from authority. We can talk about power till we turn purple and miracles and all those sorts of things, but they flow out of understanding our authority in Christ. And so the church needs to be a place where, where we demonstrate that power, but more than power, we exercise authority. I think, you know, power is a subsidiary of authority. I've been given authority, therefore power happens. Now, Jesus is intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. In other words, God said to Satan and all his rulers and powers and authorities and principalities and territorial spirits, I'll prove to you that I'm greater through my church. They will demonstrate my power. They will exercise my authority and they will prove to you that I will be the victor. So Satan looks to the church and he goes, well, right, God, prove it then. And we've got a whole bunch of people in the church that are on the back foot and defensive instead of being on the front foot and being offensive. It's not a pride thing. It's a positional thing that we've been seated in Christ in the heavenly realms and been given authority to act on earth as it is in heaven. We're the ones that represent God. So knowing that you possess power is experiential. 
Okay, someone prays for you, you have an encounter with God, your body shakes, something happens, you feel the power surging, you know something's happened. We're touched, we're shaken, we're moved by it, and in in turn we're a power base that imparts that to other people. But knowing that you have authority comes from understanding identity. You won't experience authority. You need to step into authority. It's not what we feel or experience. It's what God says about us as individuals and what he says about the church through his death and resurrection. So it's about perceptions. If we truly understood and saw the spiritual realm operating here on earth and saw the battle, we'd be far more engaged in this than we are. It's because we don't see it. But that doesn't mean it's not real. The battle is raging. We see symptoms of it in our society and community. We see the fallout in marriages and, you know, all sorts of stuff. But there is a battle going on. And Jesus said to us, occupy until I come. The word occupy means stand your ground. Use your God-given power and authority to possess the land and hold your ground till I come. Don't shrink back. Stay on the offensive and make sure you win. But authority is something that you have to believe that you have. You have to know it in here. It's not something that, it has to be revelatory. You've got to have a revelation that that's who I am. God says, I am this. I am a child of God. When you sing that, something within you should stir. You should be able to say, yes, I'm a child of God. That's a truth. That's a truth that no one could rob me of. That's something that God has said about me that is an eternal truth. I am a child of God. So if you're a child of God, you can do what your inheritance has been given you to do, which is to act in authority. It's a really simple principle, but somewhere we get lost in that because the, the first place that authority has to be exercised and won is between our two ears. And that's where the enemy gets in and he robs us of believing that truth or really grasping that truth as something that Mark can possess or whoever can possess. And so the lies come and the doubts and the fears come. Well, who are you to act in authority? You're just big-noting yourself. Or who are you? You don't have the, the skill set or the experience. Or who are you? Or who are you? Well, who did Jesus say that you were? He said you were his child. And he said, I've done it all for you and I'm giving it to you so you can do it for me. So we need to believe, not just as in a sense of notes in a book, but we need to think that it's inscribed in us that we are children of God. So authority is just the right to act or speak in certain ways in accordance with the authorization of a higher power. And so if God says you can do this, then you can do it. It's really just a question of whether we're willing to do it. The authority is there. It's just a recognition thing that I can act in authority. The same principle applies in the earthly realm as it does in the, in, in the spiritual realm. If your boss says you can do this and you can spend this amount of money, you can spend that much. And if Jesus said you can do this, then we've got to see that we've got, we've got jurisdiction. We've been given dominion. And that whole idea of dominion is where we get our word dominance. So what should dominate our minds, what should dominate our hearts, what should dominate our lives is the fact that we are dominant. 
Not in an arrogant sense, not in lording it over people, but in a sense of I'm anchored in Christ. And I have his name that I bear. In the name of Jesus, every knee will one day bow and every tongue will confess. That's when Jesus exercises his ultimate authority and people will just bow. There'll be no questions asked. They'll just know. But until that day, it's our job to represent Jesus in every way possible. Part of that is power. Part of that is authority. And when they're put together, then we represent who Jesus is, his dominion and authority. So we need to respect our place under authority. You've probably heard this verse a thousand times. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God and draw near to you. It's a principle of being under authority. We get our lives under submission to God. And when we live in that submission to God and his will and purpose for our lives and obedience to his spirit and walking to his spirit in his spirit, then we're in the place to resist the devil because we can stand strong in the life that we're living. Then we resist. If we try and resist the devil when we're half in the world, half in the church, mixed up priorities, you know, we're all over the place, guess what? You're going to get smacked. You're going to get smacked because the enemy wants to take you down and he's looking for an opportunity. So we need to learn to take authority over our own lives, over our own thinking, over what rumbles around in our head and make sure there's no lies circulating because if the lies circulating, you'll become a slave to fear and doubts and the opposition will look far bigger than it really is. And the enemy does not want us to get a perspective of how little he is and how big we are in Christ. If we could somehow get a needle with us, you know, something to stick in people's arm, just so they got that revelation, that alone would change everything. Because it means when we go to pray for sick, pe- sick people, I'm not thinking, oh, I wonder if God will show up. I'm thinking this hand is the hand of Jesus. When you lay hands on the sick, they will be. Whose promise is that? Did he say you could do it? What happens if you don't do it? Nothing happens. So you've got to step into the authority and believe when I lay my hand on somebody, that's actually the hand of God being put there. Why? Because Christ lives in me. He's the hope of glory. What's impossible for God? Nothing. So it stems from my head, doesn't it? And if I can get in my head, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's got nothing to do with me. In my own strength, I can do nothing. But the Jesus in me can do everything. And so when I put my hand on Sam, all I'm believing is that, God, you're there. You're here in that moment doing that. So we either live in submission and obedience to the will of God or we're in rebellion to that. If we're living in rebellion to God, then the enemy has footholds that he can get to us. So we've got to submit our lives to Christ and then we can resist the devil and he will flee. So authority that's right. God opposes the the proud but shows favour to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's, there's a principle that arrogance and authority don't go together. Humility and authority go together. So we need to be very careful that we're inviting Jesus into the battle. 
It's not Mark going into battle on behalf of Jesus. I'm pushing him out in front. And then I can't go wrong. Then I can't go wrong. And I'll I'll prove that to you. This is a really exciting passage of Scripture. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralysed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and I'll heal him. But the officer said, I love this, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home, humility. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. So he understood authority, even though he wasn't, a, you know, he came to Jesus knowing who Jesus was, maybe, but he knew he healed. And he said, look, you physically don't have to go to my house for him to be healed. You've got authority to just speak the word and it will be done. I know this, he said, because I am under authority and my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. That's understanding authority. That's saying, I don't need Jesus to be here physically to heal Sam. I can be that representative. Jesus, you just use me. I'm willing, use me. While Peter, while, while, while the man, this is when um, Peter and John healed the man at the gate, beautiful. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man held on to Peter and John, and all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or God, godliness we made, have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his service. No, servant. Notice what Peter did straight away. He said, look, don't look at us. It's got nothing to do with us. It's God working through us. He gets the glory. And I love this one. But even the archangel Michael when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself even dare to condemn Satan for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So even the archangel Michael knew under authority it wasn't his place. It was his job to call Jesus in. He's the judge. He's the one that decides what will happen. And we need to just recognise that we're inviting the host of heaven. We're inviting the name above every other name into any situation that we get into and God's dominion will begin to flow. His dominance will begin to flow. You cannot do that passively. I love little old grannies that understand that principle like my mum. She's tenacious. She will pray and pray and pray because she believes that she's speaking with authority. She believes when she prays for something that somewhere in the timeline, God will do what he needs to do. And so when I was lost and living in the world, she prayed and she prayed and she prayed, believing in the authority of God to somewhere arrest my heart somewhere. And bang, God came. Was she praying little prayers like, Dear Jesus, please help Mark. She was on her knees, she was loud, she was passionate. God, do something for him. If you need to smash him in a car accident, smash him in a car accident. Do No, she meant it. Do whatever you need to do, God, not to let him, not to let him go. Not to let him go. Even if I ended up a quadriplegic, it was more important that my heart was given to God. 
And so we've got to be people of tenacity and power. Now, what happens when authority goes wrong? I said before, sometimes we can get smacked in the fight because we're not in the right place under God. Or we step out beyond our authority and the enemy comes and gets us. Too far. Now, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Pretty amazing stuff. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priests were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the men who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. That's when authority goes wrong. (laughs) Why? Because the spirit challenged them. The demon said, who are you? They didn't say, I'm a child of God. You have no right and authority. Go. They must have gone, I don't know. Who are we? (laughs) Smack. And he said, I know who Paul is. I know if I'm dealing with Paul, he stands his ground. I know Jesus. I know he's the name above every other name. But who are you? You know, there there was opposition. There was a battle going on. And in the battle, that demon challenged them. And they didn't have the right grounding to stand their ground. They could have said, I'm a nobody, but I'm an everybody in Jesus. So I'm telling you, you're trespassing, out you go. But they weren't in the right place and they didn't understand authority. So we need to recognise our position of entitlement is that we're seated in the heavenly realms. God seated Christ at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and all authority, power and dominion. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, so that the church would carry the power and the authority of God. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So in the spiritual realm, our perspective on earth should be from above looking down. We should never be under the circumstances and the situations in our life. If our spiritual perspective is really godly, then we're looking down on situations in the sense of being dominant over them and victorious over them, not under them like they're crushing us because we're seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. That's our inheritance. But that's a mindset. It's a mindset that we've got to make sure is ours, that we possess it, that we know it, that we remind ourselves of it, and that we activate that and appropriate that in every situation that we're in. Men, I want to talk to you. I want you to look at me in the eye. You've been given authority over your homes and over your families. And if you're a passive man, your family will get smacked and you'll give an account for it. You'll give an account for it because you didn't step into the authority that God gave you when you put a wedding ring on your finger and said, before God, I'm making this covenant with you that I'll be the male part of this covenant and I'll be the protector. Therefore, you have authority because God bestowed it on you to look after that family. And so you have permission. You have authority to stand at the front door of your house when there's sickness there and say, out. You don't belong here. Because Satan will come. What, do you think he's going to stop? 
He's not going to stop. He's not going to stop till an aggressor gets in the way, like a little David who says, the whole army's frightened of Goliath. Well, I'm not. I'm not frightened of him. Get out of my way. Well, who are you? You can't deal with him. Yes, I can. Because my mindset says that my God is for me and not against me. He's nothing. He's nothing. But that's an attitude of the heart. It's not arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's rooted in the authority that God gave us. What do you think Jesus went around going, oh, out, out, out of you, demon? He had authority. He used that authority not to lord it over people, not to crush them, not to make himself famous, but he used it despite to fight a spiritual battle. And we're in a spiritual battle, which means we have to fight with spiritual weapons. You can't fight them with human weapons. It's got to be a spiritual battle won by spiritual things. So how much authority does Jesus have? All authority. And who did he give that all to? Us. So it's right here. It's right here in our hands. And we've got to exercise it on behalf of our king. It's like, Sam, would you kneel down there, please, mate? You've seen those movies when King Arthur, I dub thee Sir Sam of Helen. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what is the king, what is the king doing when he bestows that authority? He's making him a knight of the realm. In other words, he can act on behalf of the king to do what the king can't do because the king's not there. But in the spiritual realm, Sam is a representative of King Jesus. He's a prince in the kingdom of God acting on behalf of his king. So he can step into any situation, thanks Sam, on behalf of Jesus and do the things that Jesus would do if he was there. But Jesus is there because he's in us. And so the principle is simply some button in our mind that needs to get pressed to realise I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Has nothing to do with how I feel. Nothing to do with how I feel. I was leading a team in Fiji one year and I went there sick. I had like a fluey thing. And by the third day I was gone. I was talking to Cheryl and saying, I think I need to come home. I just can't do this. And so my team went off to do some door knocking one day and I was lying under a mango tree um, on a mattress that I dragged outside. I just felt like death. And a bat dropped on me in the middle of the day. This, and it was like I just went, I have been so stupid. This is a spiritual thing. Bats don't drop on you in the middle of the day. Okay? So I stood up. Even though I felt terrible, I stood up and I went, Enough. I'm a child of God. I know God wants me to be here ministering to people, preaching the gospel, representing him in the name of Jesus. Go, get off me. It was like that, gone, lifted off straight away. Now they'd all prayed for me. They'd all spoken great words over me, but something in here hadn't recognised who I really was. I wasn't fighting for myself. Everyone else was fighting for me, but there has to be a fight that starts in here for our own lives, our own victory, our own strength in God, and then we step out and help others. But we can't help others if we're getting smashed by the enemy when we say, I'm a nobody. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are somebody. You were bought with a price. And God went, I'm going to pay for that person because I love them. So don't ever say you're a nobody. It's such an untruth. 
And I know there's people here today that the enemy has got your mind and he's been pressing you in and in and saying you're worthless, you've got nothing to offer, it's not worth the fight. That is a lie. And something in you needs to rise up and say, enough. I won't believe the lies anymore. Because the lies will just feed themselves and they'll get bigger and they'll just get to a place where you you just come undone. But the truth is you are a somebody. And yes, sometimes we need people to stand alongside us and fight with us. But ultimately, we've got to have that victory ourselves. We've got to have that revelation. The really beautiful thing is God's authority is not meted out on the same principles as the natural realm. It's not contingent on status or race or background or gender or feelings. Authority all has to do with appropriating our identity. Jesus said this about me, therefore I am. I am a new creation. I am no longer under condemnation. So when the enemy wants to beat us up, he comes in here and he says, you know, Mark, you're really not that good. You really don't have much to offer. Now, I can feed that lie, can't I? I can go, yep, you're right. I don't have much to offer. I'm a loser. And, and, and what will happen is that the enemy will get on top of us when he's supposed to be under my feet. So how do I get him under my feet? I have to remind him of the truth that God said about me. I'm not fighting him with my words. I'm fighting him with the truths that God has proclaimed over me. You sing a melody over me. You know, that's what God does all the time. He sings over us. He reminds us who we are, that he's redeemed us, that we're no longer a slaves to sin. I am a child of God. And so if we can learn to win that battle here, and that's why I believe God loved David, because David was just a little shepherd boy who learnt principles in a paddock that were the same in the throne, that God would be with him. And then if God said, do it, he'd turn up. And he stepped into that authority that God gave him. So you know those, we often see them, the I am posters, I am, I am, I am, I am. It would be great if every morning it was, you know, like in China and that, they get up every morning, they do their little exercises, you know, company exercises. We should make every Christian shout them out with conviction. I am, I am. Do you reckon that would make a difference (laughs) when we went out into our daily pursuits? I am. It's not arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's just saying that there's a fight on and I'm going to engage that fight on people on behalf of my own life, but on behalf of the people that are out there that are under the enemy's foot, who don't even know it, but I'm going to fight on their behalf. Now, the enemy will mock us if he turns around and says, you want to fight for them? Have you seen your own life lately? You're giving him ground to throw lies at you. But if we get out, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, then we'll be standing in the right place of authority. So we've been commissioned to tread. I love that. I think Christians should wear steel cap boots. Because we've been commissioned to tread, to tread on principalities and powers and rulers and authorities that want to turn Pakenham and Officer and this region, they want to put it under their authority. They want to influence this region and they'll do it until someone stands up and says, no, you don't have a right to be here. 
Who's going to do that? The church. So what does Satan say to all the leaders of churches? Have a look at your people. What a mess. You want to fight me? Come back another day when your church is in unity, when there's no criticism, when there's not people tearing each other apart in the family of God. Then you can stand your ground. Until that day happens, we can't pick the fight. Because the manifold wisdom of God is supposed to be demonstrated through the church. If we're all over here bickering and fighting and tearing each other down, the enemy just goes, like the seven sons of Sceva, who are you? You proclaim Christ, you say this, but your lives don't reflect the truth of that. The love of God is not in you. And so he's got every right to throw back at us. You haven't got your lives together. The church is not the powerhouse it should be. So it really stems from individuals before God getting their own lives in order. Then I link arms with the next person and I link arms with the next person and we step forward together in unity to tear down the enemy. When there's disunity, the enemy just gets in behind the lines and starts shoving knives in our back, you know, wants to tear us down and he can if we give him ground. So we've got to be vigilant not to give him the ground. And it starts here with me being the one that says, nope, I'll take authority over my life and my family and my sphere of influence and I'll make sure I'm submitted to God. And if we all did that, then we can move forward. And that's the challenge of the Western church particularly, to get out of the the slumber and to get into the battle and to begin to fight. There was a, a group of churches in Caloundra And they brought in a whole heap of intercessors from over Queensland and they spiritually mapped the whole of the Sunshine Coast. They went back into the history and they found out where there'd been, you know, um, things done to the Aboriginal people that were unjust and they mapped out a whole heap of history. And what they did was they, they invited all the churches to come together for a week of prayer and fasting and, you know, pastors swapped pulpits and people were praying. They were standing on high places all around the Sunshine Coast. And this incredible time happened in the life of the churches. People started getting saved. There was this real movement of God. And, and someone said, oh, we should do this next year. One of the intercessors that had started it said, we need to do this again next year. We need to just, you know, keep standing our ground. Keep, keep reminding the enemy that we're unified. Keep them. And someone said, oh, no, we're too busy this year. We can't do that. And, and so they didn't do it. About two years later, every one of the pastors and churches that had been part of that had been smacked, had been really smacked because they didn't keep the unity of the movement of God. They got a bit like some good things started happening to their church. And so instead of being a kingdom vision, it became an empire. Oh, we're just going to stick to our little group and our people. And they, they didn't unite their arms together. It was such a sad thing to see. Churches just go down. But there's power in unity. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. And the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought. So every thought that comes through my ears that isn't right before God has to be taken captive. I've got to catch that thought and I've got to say, 
You are not honouring God. It's not helpful. It's not truthful. It's not building me up. It's tearing me down. I'm taking that thought captive and I'm making it obedient to Christ. All you do is exchange the lie for a truth. And the enemy will pretty quickly get the idea that if he drops a negative in your head, suddenly you'll turn it into a positive. And you'll go, ah, there's not much ground being made here. I'll go and annoy that person over there. And that's really the principle, isn't it? If If you're an army and you make an assault on a line and you get great resistance, you'll try and find the path of least resistance. And you'll find another way to get in. And we need to make sure we're standing on the front line. And look, let's face it, we're all in this together. The enemy gets at all of us. You know, there's not one of us that's immune from it. No matter how successful we are or what we've attained in life, really the enemy can turn any of that around if he wants to and throw it back at us somehow. But we've got to learn to say, Lord, I know who I am in you. I am a child of God. I am not under condemnation. I know who I am in you. And sometimes that, that, those were, are words that come out of gritted teeth, okay? Because they're not the pattern that's been built up in our mind. But the scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you start by replacing the lies and the untruths with a new truth. That's a godly truth. That's an eternal truth that the enemy has no counter activity for. He has to go, that's true. <laughs> Nothing more I can say. But if we don't say those things, if we're passive, if we just let that unravel, well, then we'll get in deep water and it'll be a harder process to get you out. But you know something? It doesn't matter how deep down we are, God can always pull us out. That's the beauty of it. And that's why we fight. We fight for this community. We fight. And I hope you pray for people in authority. Pray for our Prime Minister. Pray for the Liberal Party. Pray that God will somehow you know, arrest these people's hearts because God tells us to be under authority. They're there because God's put them there. It doesn't mean God can't change their disposition so that they're, they're, they're believing for the right things. And if the church right across Australia was praying that, you don't think something's going to happen? Like They're like marked men. They must have just bowed down now and say, I give in. <laughs> Because there is authority that we have that we can exercise and that we should exercise. Okay, stand on your feet. Why don't we just pray? Father, I want to thank you today. Thank you that every man, woman and child that knows you that's called upon the name of Jesus is saved. I thank you that's a truth that the enemy can never take away from us. That, Lord, we're saved, that we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that blood we overcome by the power of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And I thank you, Jesus, that there's not one life here today that you don't treasure, that you don't tre- cherish, that you don't, isn't the apple of your eye. Lord, that you've got a tattoo of every one of our names inscribed on your hand because you love us. And Lord, you've marked us with the seal of your spirit and you've given us the name of Jesus to carry and to bear, the name above every other name. And I thank you, God, that in our lives, in our minds, Father, we can have the victory, that we will put Satan under our feet and we will take back everything that the enemy has stolen from us. We'll take it back because it's our right to be seated in the heavenly realms. It's our privilege and our honour to represent the name of Jesus and we will not be pushed back. 
Satan, we will not allow you to have dominion over our families and over our marriages and over our children and over sickness and over prosperity. We will say, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And Lord, we will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if any principality or power wants to step foot on my property, then you're going to pick a fight with me and my king. And my king says you have no right. And my king has the keys of heaven and hell. He has the keys of life and death. And I thank you, God, that this little thing that you've put in my mouth called a tongue has power. Has power to tear down principalities and powers. It has power to stand against the gates of Hades and it will not prevail. And thank you. That's a timeless truth, Lord, that we need to stand on as a church. And Lord, I pray, my prayer is just today, Lord, that somehow each one of us will get a greater revelation of what you say about us, of how you see us, of the power and the authority that you've bestowed upon us. And Father, wherever, wherever the enemy has had ground, wherever he's spoken lies, would you give those people the courage to draw a line in the sand and say, thus far and no more. In the name of Jesus, no longer will you torment me. No longer will you lie to me. I'm a child of God. And Father, give us the sensitivity as brothers and sisters to get alongside those who are hurting, Lord, and fight on their behalf and encourage them. Speak the truth of God over them and into them. Lord, we want to choose blessings, not curses. We want to choose life, not death. And today we want to pray over our marriages and we thank you for the partners that you've given to us, God. Father, help us as men to stand in the authority that you've given us in our gender to be the protectors over our family spiritually. We are the gatekeepers. If it's coming in, it's because we've opened the gate. If it's not there, it's because we've shut it and we've stood our ground. Father, forgive us as men where we've failed, where we've let our women carry the weight and the burden. So, Father, I want to stand in the gap for every man here today and say, Lord, forgive us. And the one who forgives is faithful and just. And, Lord, when we think about the days ahead, ahead we want to... We want to be those men that stand in vigilance over our families and over our wives. Father, I want to pray for our children today. Father, the legacy that we want to leave them is to be strong in the Spirit. We want to be, leave a legacy, Lord, that they will know how to wrestle with principalities and powers and not be afraid and not be fearful, but to tear down the enemy's strongholds because they know who they are in Christ. I thank you, God, for our little wet cements. Lord, before they go hard, help us put an imprint into that life that will forever brand them as those who bear the name of Jesus, who know the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. That, Father, we will have a generations that will come that won't be satisfied with what this generation has given to them, but they will have a holy discontent to say, no, we'll be like David, We'll tackle the giants when my forefathers and my brothers won't. We'll tackle them 
will believe that our God can do it. And I pray, Father, that we as parents and we as a church would instill that into our children, that they are to occupy, that they are to advance. And the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men and women and children lay hold of it. So God, we're not going to lay down in the fight. We're going to stand strong in the spirit and in the knowledge of who we are in you. As a church, God, I pray that you would give us the privilege and the honour of standing on the front line in any battle that you choose to push us into. And Father, we'll stand there united, believing that our God can change this nation and He can change this world. And we hear about Islam, we hear about terrorists, but we know the love of the Father. And we know that love conquers all. Lord, we want to be powerful, yes. We want to live under authority, but we don't want to be a clashing gong. We want to be a people that have power and love. Love that goes beyond what makes sense. Love that goes beyond the natural. Love that continues to give. Love that's poured out upon the broken. Love that's poured out upon those who curse us and, and, and our enemies, Father. We want to give them the shirt off our back. We want to go the extra mile. We want to love and love and love and love until there's nothing left, but you'll fill us up so that we can love and love and love and love until we're empty again and you'll fill us up. And we pray, God, that we will be a church that doesn't just say statements like a revolution of love, but we'll be that revolution, that we will step into the fight and a revolution is all about a fight and we'll stand there strong in the conviction that God has given it to us. He's put it in our hands. So Lord, send us out into the battle. If we're not ready, then Lord, help us to get right. Help us have the courage to ask for help. Help us to get that voice going on in our heart. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Teach us what to speak. Teach us what to pray. But Lord, get us out in that battle. Whatever that looks like in the workplace, in our schools, Father, planting new churches, whatever it might be, Lord, my prayer is simply get us in the front line, ready and armed and dangerous to fight on your behalf. Lord, we thank you for your kingdom. Thank you that we are, we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that the gates of Hades will never prevail over us, Lord God. So, Father, today we stand upon those truths and we proclaim your name, the name of every other name, the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that beautiful name and the privilege that is ours to know you and to worship you and to walk with you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.